This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 656, brought to you by Mac Weldon. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com, enter promo code iFanboy at checkout. And the Pub Crawl Anthology. Fanboy Pick of the Week, episode 656. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and sitting in this week for Josh Flanagan is the Internet's Paul Montgomery. You called. I arrived. It's <laughs> happening. We're doing this. Paul, for long-term listeners will know, used to host the show with Josh and I. New listeners don't know that, so here's Paul. I, I feel bad. Josh is going to be mad at me because he's asked me to come on and guest like twice, and <laughs> I've only ever come on like in, in in recent years. I've only guested with you, but it just worked out because he always has me like the last minute. And I'm like, we I'm, all like, know who your favorite is. Heading out the door, yeah. <laughs> no, I get you. You bread my butter, man, or you butter you you do something to my bread. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. We will, and we are I fanboy, and everyone can read a bunch of comics, and one of us picks their favorite book. We call that the pick of the week. We talk about that book, the other books that came out that we like to read and talk about. We'll do the patron pick, some listener mail if we have time, patron powers. It'll be fun. That's the whole point of the show, Paul. I don't know if you recall from your previous stint. I do. I do remember. We just try to have fun. That's all it is. It's all coming back like a car crash. It's great. Here's your spoiler warning. This is a review show. There'll be some spoilers. Exercise some caution. This week, I had to pick. You and I discussed this, Paul, slightly before. Uh-huh. This was a weird week. When I was doing my, my pull list... It felt almost like a, a fifth week, even though it's the middle of the month. Not a lot of books came out that I don't yeah, really you, read. Yeah, you said you, you only had 15 books, which and I remembered, like, oh, yeah, that at, at one point in my life, that was a late week. <laughs> yes. It is. Normally, I'm in the— I'm Not in the, so much anymore, but— Normally, I'm in, like, the 20 to 20, 22 to 23 book range, and, and oh. in, if I'm in the teens, that's a weird week. And uh, so, as a result, I actually read a couple of extra things. But still, it was a weird, strange week of books— and my favorite ended up being cover number two from Brian Michael Bendis, David Mack, Zoo Orzu, and Carlos Manguel, one of Bendis's new Jinx World books. This is actually one of his new ones because a bunch of the Jinx World books are, are um, returnings to old ones or sequels. And cover is just wacky enough to push my buttons and also the David Mack art's terrific. But cover is the story of a comic book creator who looks a lot like David Mack who is approached by the CIA to become a spy because comic creators are constantly traveling all over the world, and it's a perfect cover. Are you reading this, Paul? Since you made it the pick of the week, I, I read it, I, and I read the first one as well. And um, actually, when I got the, when you emailed me the list, I saw cover on there, and I thought it was like, it was, you know, like you were just... Like they finally putting, gave Cover Girl her own book? No, no. Like I, I, I thought you. It was just like a oh, like temporary a, like, like a placement. Placeholder. Like Cover goes here. Like oh, you, oh, you guys put thumbnails in the. Yes, you know, like, yes, no, okay. Yes. No, so it was like, but no, and it's it's a it's a very clever title, but it does get confusing when you just see it. But, sure. Um, and then he's got so, and, and Bendis also has Pearl out. That's so, so. Yeah. I'm not entirely on top of all the 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 you know the, the doings of Bendis at now that he's at DC and and moving house over there. I wouldn't have read this had you not picked it, 
but yep. uh, I'm glad that you picked it because it's it's a really interesting one, and it's um, weirdly and eerily timely. Yeah, for sure. Being that it's in Istanbul and there's stuff going yeah. on in Turkey right now, um, and there's some murky stuff. Yeah. yeah. But I was reading it and I was like, oh, and I was like, of course they probably wrote this script months ago. But yeah, you know. And the first issue was was when we're just gonna, I'm just going to call him David Mack because he looks exactly like him. Uh, when okay. David Mack is approached by a fa- a fan who buys a bunch of his artwork. And then basically ends up revealing that she's a CIA operative and she wants to... She doesn't so much say it in the first issue that she wants to recruit him, but she keeps showing up in his life at various shows. Whereas in this, this issue, he is taking up the Istanbul Comic-Con invitation that he got out of the blue in the first issue, only to find her at the airport waiting for him to drive him to the hotel. And that's basically where it's really dawning on him what's going on. And then interspersed in all this is a framing device in which he is getting beaten up while tied to a chair sometime in the future by another comic creator who is apparently a spy also, but for the other side. Which comic creator? Do you, do you have any? I have any one in mind, thank you. Okay. but I don't want to say it out loud. Okay. <laughs> but there's one I had in mind who um, I would be a little terrified if I was tied to a chair and he walked in the room. Okay. And I think we probably have the same one in mind. Okay. I have a couple in my head that, yeah, there, there's some comic. There's a lot of... A lot of time at the table drawing stuff, you build up, you know, certain <laughs> muscles and yeah. So we know now in the future at some point he's going to, we, we know he's going to engage in this because obviously this is the point of the story, but we know he's going to get captured and there's another comic creator revealed as a, as I guess we're just going to call a Russian spy, but it could be anybody. So it's basically the, it's basically that scene in Casino Royale with the right. chair. And yeah. The, not quite as, you know. And also there's interspersed is the comic that the David Mack character is, is currently creating about samurai. I really like the story, but also David Mack's doing like five different art styles in this book. Yes. And they're all terrific. He's someone who was a big name in the early 2000s when Bendis blew up. They were friends and, and David Mack, was it Kabuki? Was that his book? Yeah. Yep. And then he sort of went away. He's probably, he's done a lot of cover work. He's probably done a lot of work outside of comics. Because I remember many years ago, I went to my first comic convention, and he basically talked me into buying all of his books at his <laughs> table. Because I got, a, I was doing my sketchbook for the first time, and he did like the second ever, like sketch I ever got. Right. And he did, and he broke out the watercolor stuff and like the brushes, and I'm like, oh wow. And then he's like, you should buy this book. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and it was good. It's beautiful. It was, it was just like, like he totally. It was, it was like the the fox and Pinocchio. Like just like, yeah. Just just walked me right into the the dangerous world of comic conventions and artist alley and what can happen. The expensive world. And <laughs> yes, these kind of stories trigger in me a sort of anxiety. It, it's a, it's a well worn story idea in which the hapless person gets caught up in international intrigue as used as a pawn you know mm-hmm. I, I go back to the 80s movie gotcha with anthony edwards okay in which he's okay. a student uh you know abroad and he, he gets caught up in in the, the spy game between the u.s and russia and there's uh, there's other stories you think like, like the man who knew the man too much. little yeah or too much and the man with one red shoe is that the one with tom hanks Mm. So it's it's a yes. well worn story of it's a, it's it, it touches on your anxiety level like what would you do in this scenario where you can't I don't want to be here. Stop talking to me. And but you can't. You keep getting pulled deeper and deeper into the into into the madness. And this also feels very reminiscent of early Bendis Jinx World. Definitely. The dialogue. There's a lot of it. It's funny. It's smart. If you told me that he just opened up a drawer and pulled out an unused script from that point yeah. in time in yeah. his career, and and pulled that out and said, "Hey, you know." 
let's paint this, let's do this now. I I would totally believe that it's you know there are setups like a, a there's a, like a two shot in a car where they're yep. talking together, and you know it's not because it's Mac and it's paint and it's this watercolor style. It's very alive and moving. It's five pages. It is the, of the same, same but shot. It's the, sa- it's the same shot over and over again. But he's painting it. Yeah. As far as I can tell, he's painting it. It's he's not like doing some Photoshop thing, where he's like copying it. I don't I don't think yeah, so. Yeah. It, think, looks, no, it no. looks like he's just. It looks like he's just doing the same, very now very simple rendering, but it's like these two people talking in a car, and like it's sort of like Bendis with, you know, with no editor, let go, do a conversation, those word balloons from you know from that period, and he gets talky in his in his superhero books sometimes, but like this is like yeah early Bendis, like that level of of abandon with just having a free flowing conversation, and it, it and I think Max style or. Styles, I, sh- I should say, because mm-hmm. as you mentioned, he's doing a lot of different things and going through different interludes in the past, the future, the um, this samurai story that the artist is working on. It all fits very well with the flow uh, of this sort of like, you know, mammoth style Bendis, yeah. you know, just doing a, an open flowing conversation, the back and forth the patter between the two characters because they're both kind of like salesmen in a way, sure. you know, this, the CIA recruiter and, and the artist who's like, who's used to, you know, wheeling and dealing within that, that world of the comic conventions. And so they're, they're both salesmen in, in a way, and they're both philosophers in a way. And there's little sequences in here that I liked a lot. Like the um, one where they're talking about nobody reads anymore. Yeah. That was a great sequence. Yeah. I feel like that could have gone on a, a bit too long and been a bit, too preachy but as is i felt it was just right and i love that the characters that you know they don't really have faces they have you know profiles and facial features and you can make them out but it's it's sort of this rorschach test kind of thing where it's like it's almost like you're lo- you're looking into a lava lamp yeah you know it's form or you're looking up in, up at the sky into the clouds and you're like what do you see and you see different features and forms and stuff and they like they become more and less formalistic like a like they're more or less like people and then they can become more abstract as they're getting into like philosophical conversations about you know why don't people read and what has that led us to as a as a society and i thought that was really interesting just in terms of the art really fitting the themes and motifs of the script for sure and there's also a lot of the trademark bandis humor and it's since it's set in the comic world it's way more authentic Right there's a lot of that in the first, the first mm-hmm. issue, in which Bendis is a character in the first issue, sitting behind David Mack's character at the convention. Right. But here, you know, he knows the guy beating him up in the framing sequence. They're fellow comic creators, and at one point, the guy's punching him over and over in the face, and he says, in between spitting out blood, he's like, "Aren't you worried about ruining your drawing hand?" Mm-hmm. That's a real big consideration for him because that's just what these guys think about. There's also, so there's a lot of truth in this somewhat fantastical story because it's, it takes place in a world that Bendis inhabits and knows really well. And ultimately at the end, the David Mack characters, it's as simple as here's a little present for the president of Turkey who's coming by to visit the convention. All you have to do is give it to him. It's as simple as that. It's the, it's the oldest seduction in the book. That's like ripped from a West Wing episode yeah. where Barlow doesn't Americans want to give over. A lot, yeah, a lot yeah. Americans just like, just put this in this guy's office. That's all I ask him you to do. But I, I think I... I would stick to the, the the West Wing reference first because it's not the most 
it's not the most sophisticated, you know, espionage plot. Mm-hmm. And it's not even the most sophisticated political plot that Bendis has ever written. Right. Um, but like if you if you're, you know, listening to this and you're thinking you're gonna go in and it's gonna be like a you know, like a, a queen and country, like no, like a like, no, a, no. like a rucka kind of thing. It's not that. It's more of a more of a character study or uh, maybe not character study, but like a or I don't know. It's, it's weirdly a look at. Well, it's almost a, it's 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 a really about these two the the handler and the David Mack character, and they're it's yeah. kind of a dual seduction situation, right. which is yeah. what I assume these bargaining scenes when you're when you're trying to convert an asset. I assume it's somewhat like a seduction, sometimes right. literally, sometimes figuratively. But I love it. You know, Bendis dropped four new Jinx World books on on us after going to DC, and this is my favorite of them. And oh. uh, I really I'm, I'm I'm happy about this Bendis creative renaissance even if it's not really shaking the industry like it did the, the original time it happened I'm, I'm really liking cover cover number two is pick of the week probably close runner-up was thor number six this is my pick jason aaron christian ward on art joe sabino on letters and this was so the culmination of the current storyline in, in the set in the future in which old king thor and his granddaughter's are, are facing the, the emergent threat of Doctor Doom, who has the power of Iron Fist, and Doctor Strange, and Ghost Rider. Does anybody uh, the star? Power? The Star Brand, uh, oh, right. the Iron Fist, Spirit of Vengeance. He's a Sorcerer Supreme. And meanwhile, they're also the more Thor's granddaughters are, are sort of cultivating like a like a new Earth. Yes, they've restarted Earth. It was it was ashen. It's the original Earth, but like they've like reseeded it with life after millennia of it being, you know, dead, basically yeah. just a rock. And also you get these great interludes to uh, Ego, the Necroplanet or Necroworld, yeah. who has also been floating through space. And But there is some force that is... A worm. A worm, yeah, that is um, making its way into Ego and like... Ego's also, you know, he is a living planet or like an undead planet at this point, I guess, right. in, in history. And so he's like experiencing this worm, crawl, you know, crawling around in his head and changing things and not quite, you know, he, he doesn't want this happening. And you find it like and you're like wondering because this is sort of like a big celebration of sort of all things Marvel. Like this, like I, I refer to it on Twitter as like this, like the series finale of. The Marvel Universe. Well, yeah, kind yeah. of. I mean, it is. I, I, I assume here it's the last chapter of this particular story. Mm-hmm. It says the end of interlude, end of. But I mean, it is basically saying like this is the end of time, and yep. this is old King Thor, and everyone else is dead, and this is, in a way, a weird road trip with Logan, who is now imbued with the Phoenix Force. Yep. And that's a really cool idea. There's all this this like history that you know history that we've read yeah. in comics over over the decades, but then also this like unknown history that has taken place between the present day and this period at the end of time, like eons into the future. Well, and we gave a spoiler warning, so I want to I want to make that clear again. If you haven't read this, you might want to skip yeah. the rest of this discussion because there's thing the, the things that happen that you can't not talk about. So it's yeah. a, it's a battle with Doom and and Logan and. Uh, Thor and in the fight because Doom is so powerful, Logan ends up sacrificing himself as the Phoenix and putting the Phoenix Force into Thor. So now it's Thor with the Phoenix Force fighting Doom. And I love that they fight inside this like volcano for what 
decades, hundreds of Gilly years. years. Yeah. And they, they're fighting inside this volcano, which causes basically constant earthquakes and rumbles and things. People just go on their lives and, and generations They're just pass. used to it. Like, this is just what the world is. It's You're used to the, the rumblings and stuff. And finally, the fight ends and Doom's mask floats out of lava and Thor stumbles out and says it's this fin- it is finished and collapses and dies. So like, that's basically the end of the Thor story. And then the, there's a young redhead who gets the Phoenix Force in her because Phoenix loves a redhead. Yes, they do. My favorite bit of this whole comic, though, was a very subtle joke. I'm thinking you probably caught it. Some might okay. not. Some might not have. So, as you you mentioned, that they're the daughters are tending to the garden that Thor created when he rebuilt the world, <laughs> and it's sort of like Eden. And there's yes. these two dudes who are tending that garden, two human guys who live there, and so they're there as Thor confronts Doom in this garden, and they and Thor basically says, "You guys get need to get out of here. It's too dangerous." And he goes, he tells he says, "Get out of here, Steve." So yeah, and Steve so, and your husband. So like, I assume yeah. it's Adam and Steve. Adam and Steve, exactly. Yep. That was a funny joke, which was not I like that. And it was it, not and hit over your head. You had to really pay attention to all the clues. And it's like, for, for like you know, maybe for a second you'd be like, wait, is that like a reference like Steve Rogers, or is it like you know, like you're like just because this is such a greatest hits of yeah, Marvel, sure. it's like this is like this is a, a just a, a cosmic storm of fan service. This yeah. whole issue, and Aaron has done these before. Mm-hmm. Like the way he used, he typically will end, you know, a chapter in his ongoing Thor run, which has now become like, I mean, it, it it's up there with Simonson. May have surpassed Simonson at this point. I don't know. It's a, re, it's like really good stuff. Like mm-hmm. some of the best Marvel comics out there. But like, he does this this fan servicey thing where it's like, okay, Doom's got the Star Brand. He's got he's the Sorcerer Supreme. He's the Spirit of Vengeance. So he's got the chains. He's uh, and he's the Iron Fist. Like all the stuff. That's, it's like everything. Yeah. All time. It's like a bunch of action figures like jammed together. Like you know, all your favorites coming together. Right. But it's so well done, so thoughtful, and it's just so joyous and fun. And it's like basically give Jason Aaron the gig to rewrite, you know, the book of revelations. And this is what he would come up with. And this, and we're going to, we're going to talk about some more mythology and biblical kind of stuff later on. For me, I think Jason Aaron, not just with his Marvel stuff, but also with, with some of his independent stuff and his stuff, you know, stuff at image does some of like the best myth making Mm -hmm. and like biblical kind of stories but where you would take like Neil Gaiman is kind of like the folk version of that, and Grant Morrison is like the prog rock version of that. Mm-hmm. Jason Aaron is the metal version of all that, and yeah. so like this is it's so they they mention the space shark again. <laughs> it's so much fun. It's so cool. It just he it keep he keeps like it keeps snowballing bigger and bigger, and it feels like is this too much? But then you're like no, because I'm loving every second of this. So I I really enjoy this. And Christian Ward. Like I feel like, I don't know. Like he must have been struck by lightning while he was doing this. It's so it it's so good, and it's so again like with Mac and cover, the artist really matches with the story being told. Yeah, I mean this is a bright Technicolor issue, and and Christian Ward did all of the art. He did the, the pencils, inks, and colors. So it's all him. And when especially during the fight, when the this, the Phoenix Force is there and the Iron Fist Force, and there's magic happening. It's a I'm looking at page uh, 10 on your digital reader, and it's just this mm-hmm. magical, colorful page. It's like Fantasia. It's like it yeah. just it moves. It's like they're, it's almost, 
I, you know, I th- it's a weird thing, and I hadn't thought about this in a while. You know, the end of the original Hulk movie, the Ang Lee Hulk movie, mm-hmm. where it's like Hulk versus his Nick Nolte, basically, but yeah. they become like elemental creatures and stuff. Like it felt like that, but like good, like it just <laughs> like without the Hulk poodles, like it just it, it felt uh, like too. Look, well, when Logan was you know, helping Thor, like, like two storm fronts facing another storm front. Right. It, I mean, I know this is not the end of the series, obviously there's more to come, Mm -hmm. but this could very rightly be the final issue of his run, which started in 2012 with Thor, God of Thunder. This is basically, Mm -hmm. because that's the issue where he introduced the old King Thor storyline. And here with the death of old King Thor, I mean, this is basically your, he even references uh, Gore, the God butcher in here. Like it's a, it, it all feeds into each other. If this was the final issue of Thor, I would believe it. I would say, here you go. Here's your final chapter. Now you you got you got six years of Thor that Jason Aaron did. But I would I would even go I would go further if you, if like you said this was like the last issue of Marvel, <laughs> like right. the last issue of the Marvel universe, like as as a continuity. Like and there have been how many of those? Like you've seen so many different dystopian futures of the Marvel universe, but right. like this one feels really big. Yeah, you it, know, was, it was it's super appropriately fun big and, and yeah, chaotic. So you're a you're a well noted Dick Grayson hater. <laughs> well, there's yeah, I thought Dick Grayson was no more. I thought it's, it's, well, we're gonna uh, get to that. But at, when you were on the show and we were a, yeah, a yeah. fanboy, a writer, and editor, you were an, a noted Dick Grayson um, hater. You 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 were a Tim guy and you hated Dick. And I'm a Tim guy. Yeah, all he stood for. So have you been following the action with? Nightwing these days. So not not in the Nightwing book, but through the Batman book. So so he was shot in the head, as we all yes, talked about was. before. And last issue, issue fifty, was the pick of the week in which he has uh, Dick awoken from that injury with a new personality and no memories and shaved head and a cab driver job and disdain for Barbara and and Bruce and 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 a new friend, a new bunch of friends at the bar in a fight mm-hmm. club. So uh, this is the f- real first issue of the new status quo because writer Ben Percy is now gone, replaced by Scott Lobdell and Fabian Niciesa, two stalwarts from the 90s Marvel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Guys whose work I wasn't big fans of in the 90s. I didn't really read their stuff. They both wrote for DC in the New 52 because Bob Harris, who was the very quiet behind-the-scenes editor-in-chief of DC Comics, who no one ever talks about. He worked with them a lot at Marvel. We didn't really respond to their work in the New 52 either. And so here now they're taking on Nightwing. And Travis yeah, Moore... Yeah, I, I, should, I should say, I saw the... I, I thought... I assumed that Ben Percy was continuing on mm-hmm. with Nightwing, and then I saw... So I looked at the creative team, and that is why I did not read this <laughs> so, Travis Moore, who drew part of the last issue, drew a part of this issue, but a lot of it's done by Gary Brown... Um, so we get a sense of what's going to happen or, or, or some of the conflicts we, we're into now that, that um, Dick is no more and is now calling himself Rick Grayson because that has been one of Dan Dio's big goals in his time at DC is to change his name, even though they just launched a TV show in which he's called Dick Grayson. But that's neither here nor there. So in the last issue, he burned his hideout which included all of his classic costumes Luckily, we find out that the costumes didn't burn because they were safe behind the glass, but everything else did burn. Dick is having nightmares about his time as Nightwing. I'm sorry, he's not Dick anymore. He's fucking Rick. Rick is having nightmares about his time as Nightwing, and Alfred shows up at the bar to talk to him, try to get him to come home. And 
Rick is mostly nice to the nice English gentleman, basically says, I don't need your help. I don't need your money. Even though you've got a cool Rolls Royce outside. He goes back to driving his cab through Bloodhaven, and you get kind of a, uh, what was that show on HBO? That cab show. That was really interesting. Taxi Cab Confessions? Yes, it's kind of, there's a sequence kind of like that where, much like the Bendis sequence we just talked about, it's the same shot over and over, him in the, driving the cab, but different people in the back, you know, different things happen. Okay. His cab. And, uh, but he's still having memories uh, of his time as, as, as Dick. And then he goes to look at a piece of costume jewelry in a pawn shop window because it reminded him of something his mom had. And some guy tries to mug him, and that's when his Nightwing instincts come out, and, and he takes him out pretty easily. So he's clearly conflicted about who he is and wants to be. He doesn't want to be Dick Grayson. He doesn't want to be Nightwing. He thinks those are, that's another man. He doesn't really care about that guy and his life. And, but meanwhile, in the first scene, the cop who is investigating the arson at Nightwing's little bunker he goes back to the scene of the crime and puts on Nightwing's costume and says, there will be a new Nightwing. One who has guns. Oh, great. This guy looks just like Dick Grayson, by the way, with, with hair, because Dick cut his sure. hair. Sure. So that's going to be a problem. Yeah, I don't know what to do here, Paul, because you know me. I'm a noted Dick Grayson lover. And uh, I, just, I just think, I don't I just know, think I don't this know. is the... This is the part of the movie that, that people find annoying, you know, the part where the character is, like, shying away from their destiny right. and who uh, they ought to be. And, and not problem, just, like... I, I don't care. I don't... I'm not criticizing that story choice. It's a well-worn story choice. I mean, I, I, when people freaked out that Peter Parker wasn't Spider-Man, I told him, just hold on. It'll go back eventually. And this will go back eventually, but... I think if Ben Percy were still writing it, I would be more interested in what he would do. Yeah, you have more faith in it. It's just these Scott Lobdell and Fabian Nicieza, fine writers, fine gentlemen, I'm sure. I just they're not guys that do anything for me. This just feels sort of just like a like a stopgap. Like it it doesn't feel like the start of a new like it should feel like the start of a new chapter. And and I think also we're not that far removed from you know the 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 Grayson reboot where right. he was just he was an international man of mystery. Right. It feels like I'm, and I mean, you tell me. Like, does this feel like Didio saying years ago, like I could have killed him and you didn't want me to do that, so now I'm gonna maim him? Kind of. I mean, it kind of feels that way, which is strange because, or so p- people who may not know who, who just came on, you know, Didio has very publicly had had it in for Dick Grayson. He tried to kill him in Infinite Crisis. And is it because he doesn't, do you think it's because he doesn't like the character or because he thinks the character is outstayed as welcome? I think, would, I mean, I don't know. More, I like, think you, at the time of Infinite Crisis, it was Tim Drake still as Robin. Right? And if it's because of, you know, there's too many Robins, there's no place. I think, I think at the time he said basically there's really no place for Dick Grayson. There's, he's not Robin. I don't, I, I don't want to get back into what he said, whatever, how 10 years ago, whatever it was. Uh-huh. It's even worse now. There's... You know, with with Damien, who I can't no, I don't know anyone who actually likes him. Tim Drake is they killed him off, or quote unquote killed him off briefly, and he doesn't really have a place in the world. Dick Grayson at least has a legacy. He's got a relationship with all these with all these other characters. Then you have the Signal, and you have Batgirl, and right. you have Azrael, and you have I mean, it feels like an odd personal vendetta. And look, he's in charge; he gets to finally do it. Real quick shout out to to my buddy Brian, who is a big Damien fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm sure they're out there. I just and, I, and I, it's thing. It's like everybody has their favorites, and and mine happens. And it's like it's the SNL thing. It's like yeah. you know people think 
you know, the best years of SNL were when they were in high school or whatever, right. or, or, or whatever, whenever they started watching or something. And for me, the Robins are like that. Like I, I like, and also it's, it's just a, um, it's a symmetry thing. Like it, I like Tim as Robin and then I don't, I don't hate Dick Grayson. I think he's more, I think he's more interesting as Nightwing. Like that, that place he was in towards the end of the animated series where we had him a bit, as Robin. And then there's that switch over to the, to the WB network and the animation change. And now all of a sudden he's got the mullet. He had some kind of falling out with Batman that we never saw. Oh, but we read about it later. Well, we read about it later. Right. But so he's like, but he's like Nightwing and like that. And so then you have Tim as, and although technically that wasn't really Tim, but it was just Tim by name, but in the animated series, but you know, I think Dick Grayson is sort of the victim of the fact that this is folklore and we can never get past a certain point in the story or else the story's over and we don't have adventures anymore. Like Dick grows up and he becomes the new thing, but then like, that's it. Like, and then his destiny is to one day become Batman, right? Like the takeover for Bruce. And we've seen that multiple times and they, and it would have been fun if they'd stuck with that for a while, but they didn't. He's my favorite Robin. I would love it if he was Robin again, obviously. But what makes him interesting and unique is that he grew up out of that role and became his own thing and, and that he was there from the beginning. So he knows everyone and they all trust him and know him. Right. He's unique. I mean, look, if anything, the one who was sort of the extraneous limb here is Tim Drake. And I right. like Tim just fine. And I get I'm not that. But I'm saying I, that's why it feels strange. The other thing is like, like you don't like he's called Dick. That's fine. I understand that. Everyone laughs when you hear his name. Who's not reading comics? It's fine. And you want to call him Richard? Fine. Yeah, I could accept that. But the problem is, then where does that end? Because you know, no one's naming their kid Bruce these days. You know, Marvel tried to change Bruce Banner's name because they felt right, it was exactly. so antiquated. Then you've got guys named Steve running around. No one's naming their kid Steve anymore. You've got a bunch of characters who were named in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, and not 70s so much, but the 40s through 60s with old-fashioned names. And unless you start changing all the characters' names, I get it. His name is a funny pun. I think it's interesting that they never they never did anything like change Bruce Wayne just because he's so iconic, I guess. Yeah. Like because they did they did that with Bruce Banner, and they said that like Bruce is his middle name a a code gay name. Right. So we're gonna change it. Uh, because it's the 70s and we're right. uncomfortable. But I'd never heard of that with, you know, with Bruce Wayne. It's just too iconic, yeah. When you hear Bruce Wayne and when you hear the Wayne with the Bruce, like, that's Batman. And, like, there's it. Un- so I don't, I don't know. I, I think it's I, I think it's sad and defensive and weird. Yeah, it's strange. And it's going to go back. For sure. It's, I just I guess I have to read it. Especially since now I now I didn't know that this was tied like the Rick thing was tied specifically to a personality change. Yeah. I thought they were I thought they were doing sort of like a, oh god what's his name on uh, um on a homicide when he has the stroke Pendleton Pendleton like yeah. I thought they were going to do that with yeah. with Dick and that could have been kind of interesting like he he's still the same man but like he has like maybe cognitive trouble right. or, or some kind of impairment. He has that in that he has a severe amnesia, but other than that, he doesn't have like a physical impairment. He's, but you're right. I mean, they, so they're tied it to a personality change. He's, he's quote unquote a different person. He is Rick and uh, Dick is. So no that, more. that, so even more, that's like, well, Rick's not going to stick around. Like that personality is not going <laughs> to, he's going to be Dick again. And this whole stunt is going to be, 
over. I remember. I remember when the New Fifty Two launched. They tried. To, they tried a couple of times. People called him Richard. People called him Rich or Rick. And it's just like it's just not going to stick. It's going to outlive us all. It was. It came. It's been around since nineteen forty. Speaking of the homicide verse, Elliot Stabler's son Dick. He called him Dicky all the time. That's true. If Chris Maloney can say it, I don't know. So let's talk about Archie 1941, number two. This is issue two of five of a miniseries. We talked about issue one was the pick of the week. Mm-hmm. Written written by Brian Agassi and Mark Wade, the old Flash writing team, drawn by Peter Krause. Peter Krause? I can't forget. Josh, Krause? Knows, Josh knows, and he always tells me I, I say it wrong. Great on six feet under. Great. Uh, Norm. Kelly Fitzpatrick on colors, Jack Morelli on letters, and this is issue two. Issue one was my pick of the week. As you once saw Mopey Archie walking around after graduation, being a dick to everybody, or should, yeah. I, or should I say, being a Rick to everybody, being a, being a Richard to everybody. And here we finally get where we think we were going, in which Archie wants to enlist and fight in the war, and his family is not for it. And his dad. This is a much more aggressive version of Mister Andrews in this in this version, who is not much not too nice to his son. No, <laughs> but we find out as he's drinking, he's out bowling and drinking with a Jughead's dad, and bottles rolling on the floor. Who's the other dad? It's Jughead's dad, and it's Jughead's dad and Betty's dad. Oh, Betty's dad. That's right. And I, and I love that they like they, they forget that he has a son. Like they said, <laughs> you, like you don't you wouldn't know. You just have daughters. And he's like, well, Chick, my oldest son. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. You got a son. <laughs> he went upstairs with a basketball. Was never seen again <laughs> so archie overhears them talking as they're drunk outside and they try they try to enlist archie's dad and betty's dad although betty's dad's a much more <laughs> reluctant enlistee they're like, they're like playing chicken they're like like are we doing this like, yeah we're doing this we're, we're enlisting we're going over there to fight technically speaking you can fight until you're it 60 the guy 60 60 they said yes. men up to 65 are required to register for like the server that's right but they really right. aren't taking anybody over 45 Thanks yeah. for your patriotism, and but we we can't really use you right now. Archie overhears all this and finds out that he's he just doesn't his father just doesn't know how to express to him how he loves him and is f- afraid for him. As they struggle to put up the like crisp burnt Christmas tree, I don't know if it was like in my digital version that I was looking at, but at first I thought that scene was they were taking down an old Christmas tree that had been <laughs> up for like way too long. This is all black. It was just a weird coloring choice, I guess. But they're trying to put up this tree. Oh yeah, you're right. It is. Well, I guess it's a very dark pine. I guess it, just, it, it looked like it had been. You're right. Know, it doesn't look like it been blaze at some point. I don't know. Also, Moose, uh, aka Marmaduke, is trying to get, uh, trying to enlist. Yeah. But it turns out, and his mother's not for this at all. Yeah. But she's uh, delighted when she reads the, uh, what he thinks is the uh, um, application acceptance letter because he can't read. <laughs> so she says, um, no, basically, you're uh, you have a hard murmur and you can't go. So you're you're sticking around here, and he's devastated. Yeah, and Archie re- reconciles with Betty after he was a Rick to her last week. Uh, <laughs> they both go together to the recruitment office, and she says she will wait for him forever. I'm really liking this miniseries. I, I obviously like the stylistically first one. really interesting. Oh, we did we did mention uh, Jughead lost his smile. Jughead right. can no longer tell jokes. <laughs> or eat. Yeah, or eat. He's looking gaunt. They're hanging out at the at the diner, and and like you know, Betty sweeps in. Reminded me of uh, Kate Blanchett and uh, Carol, actually. Mm. That's the whole sort of vibe of this. Like, you know, they're shifting, you know, to the early Archie years, I guess. Because, like, Archie started in the 40s. Uh, yeah, we talked about this on the on the show last time. It was Pick of the Week. Okay. Basically, this is a contextual Archie. Like, this is 
Yeah. This is Archie was created around this time, so this would have been kind of but it wasn't like this kind of storytelling. But if this had been But also like Archie didn't like the Archie we know if we think of like old school Archie or like as he was like, you know, in arrested development was somewhere in the fifties or sixties. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. So with like, you know, the the crown fedora and everything. And the so like but yeah. like this is like if they'd actually, you know. And so I like I, I love the styles. I love, you know, Veronica and Reggie going around town and Reggie thinks, you know, that they're a, they're a thing, they're a couple, and she's like, no, we're just friends, you know, and the dirty snow, and it just has this, like, cool, like, Frank Capra, like, old-school MGM yes, for sure. movies vibe, and one of my favorite panels of the week was, now, I, I just read the first one beforehand, and when Archie goes in to the theater, the marquee has a listing of all the stuff that they're playing. Yeah. And then in this issue, he's come at they they start off with, you know, a date which will live in infamy and FDR and everything on the newsreels. And and then you see the outside of the movie theater, and I guess this is like sometime later, yep. and the marquee is just empty. Yeah, it was interesting. And it's a, it's the same angle. And I just thought that was a really evocative thing. It's like it's like a ghost town now and everybody's so gloomy and, and this is where Archie goes to meet Jughead and Jughead can't even, you know come up with a joke for him to make him feel better so he just feels lost yeah and even pop sounds a little bit like mr martini (laughs) i love this book i think this book is terrific it's really good this is uh, this i mean i'm I'm excited to see archie in combat that's going to be interesting (laughs) you have to give archie comics a lot of credit for really expanding their characters into different genres and being really not at all precious with them we saw that for sure with the Dear Departed uh, Afterlife with Archie, which I guess is over because it hasn't been out for years. Mm, yeah. Into the Riverdale TV show and into a book like this, which is a very, this is a potentially a really dark Archie story, realistically. For anybody who like really digs Riverdale, there are Archie comics that, you know, kind of go up to that. Mm-hmm. There's nothing as balls out crazy as, right. as no. Riverdale, the TV show. There just isn't. Nope. And also for people who like, you know, put up their nose to stuff like Riverdale. There is stuff like this and yep. there's, I don't know, there's an Archie comic for everybody. There really it's, is. And that's, that's really wild. It's like, they haven't abandoned anything. They've just expanded the line, which has so smart. many more labors and it's, it's fun. Let's take a quick break to talk about Mac Weldon. Paul Mac Weldon is a premium men's essential brand. I believe in smart design, premium fabrics. I'm wearing Mac Weldon right now. I'm, I'm sure you were all wondering, okay. uh, sort of a pale red Mac Weldon. MacWell that believes in sharp design, premium fabric, simple shopping. The website's simple. You can find all your, your clothing categories. They don't just have underwear. They got socks, shirts, T-shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants. It's all very comfortable. It's more than you'll ever want to wear at MacWell.com. They've got the line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they've got things inside of them that eliminate odor. So why That's wouldn't good. you want to wear those things? Especially now, you know, you're going to go to cons next year, Comic-Cons. You want, you want to wear... Naturally antimicrobial clothing, maybe some shirts. You're in that sweaty room for a long time. Maybe you, you want to up your antimicrobial game. They want Absolutely. you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it, and they will still refund you. No questions asked. That is crazy. You don't have to return it. If you don't like it, they'll just give you your money back. So not only does Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well too. Good for working out, going to work, going out on dates, going to pops and lamenting your life. Over a nice malt. <laughs> Over a malted, going to the uh, bowling alley. Being slightly wasted. more a modern man than you probably were in the 40s, but that's okay in terms of introspection. But you can do that in your Mack Weldon underwear, socks, and shirts. As I said, I'm wearing Mack Weldon right now. I've got five or six pairs of underwear. They're terrific. I love wearing them for travel. 
They're very comfortable. They have the anti-rollover technology, which I don't understand, but it prevents the underwear from rolling over, which you know when you're sitting for a long time can happen. Easy to use the website, easy to find what you need. They're great. They have a wide variety of clothing you can choose from for everyday activities. So how can you get in on this action? Go to MacWeldon.com. On your first order, you'll get 20% off when you use promo code iFanboy at checkout. So if you've never been to MacWeldon before, you find yourself in need of new socks and underwear, or you need to give socks and underwear as a gift for upcoming Christmas seasons, MacWeldon.com. iFanboy is your checkout promo code. 20% off your first order. That's terrific. Normally, your promo codes only get you basically the tax off, but this is, right. more, than, this is more than that. So check it out, MacWeldon.com. You hear that, microbials? Yeah. I'll notice. I'm okay with antimicrobialism. There's yeah. a lot of antiness I'm not in favor of, but antimicrobials. Right. I think we can all agree yeah. on either side of the aisle. That is a good antimicrobial. Antimicrobials got to go. For sure. So check it out, MacWeldon.com, promo code iFanboy for 20% off your first order. And thank you, MacWeldon, for sponsoring this episode. I assume you're probably not reading Strangers in Paradise 25. No, I, I missed the bus on the whole Strangers in Paradise thing. Well, what's interesting, and I just want to talk about this very, very briefly, because I've, I've mentioned it before, but it's worth mentioning again, because this is a terrific issue. I didn't finish the first run. I read the first, I don't know, three or four trades, and I have the entire collection. I bought that giant, crazy omnibus that came out. Yeah. But I never read it. I just don't have time. Once, when the day comes, the sad day comes when iFanboy ends, I'll finally have time to read all these things I've been collecting over the years. So I don't necessarily always understand what's happening in this new return version. Is it a new generation of well, no, it's the same characters. It's, it's, same? It's, okay. it's, it's the same characters. They're a few years older. They're like assassin. Yeah, well, that's the that's the thing. Like, like that, the, the whole international intrigue is really heavy here, and plot wise, totally understand what's going on. It's fine, but I think what I'm missing out is the intricacies of the relationships, which is my loss. But it's not an impediment to enjoying the series. As always, looking at a Terry Moore book is is a rare pleasure. He he is such a great cartoonist, and it's 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 one of the best looking books on the market. I think what kept me from getting into it the first time around was because I got one of those digests or something the first right. one, and yeah. the male love interest was too much of a Richard. I think D- uh, was he like he was just very obnoxious. Uh, David, like it was like this is not going to last hopefully <laughs> I don't know. and i just i didn't get to the hopefully i didn't get to that part well this this has been mostly all beautiful though. all intrigue uh, as kachu is running around trying to find this rare parchment that a bunch of different agencies want and she's doing her super spy stuff while um, her wife whose name i forget at the moment is home with the kids okay this is also the book where they're sort of bringing in, as, as we've discussed before, all of the Terry Mooreverse. So all the books, Echo and Motor Girl, are all tying in together. Uh, really? Yeah. It's crazy, man. I mean, Strangers in Paradise, I mean, it is like, ostensibly, as I understand it, a, a slice of life book, but yes. then also the assassinations. and Which I never got to when I was reading it. So when, when Ron and, and then Josh would talk about it on the podcast a low many decades ago, I was like, wait, what? Because to me, it was just about these people trying to date and fall in love and, and then eventually spy stuff ended up happening. That's but, right. Those are the parts of the podcast you got really quiet and you just like... <laughs> I would take, take, a, I would take a nap. Alfred or, great, great sequence at the very end of this book, nearly silent sequence where uh, the one of the daughters back at home thinks that their house is being watched and she goes out to investigate at three in the morning and it's a very sort of thrillery horror sequence as she's looking at the giant plate glass window. But Terry Moore is a, is a, is a genuine master of the medium as well as a super nice guy who uh, 
if you're at a convention, you should just stop by and say hi. So but, people could like jump in on this and be I like, think, that's crazy, but sure, yeah. I'm I think you can totally read this new series not having read the original one. Because as, as I said, I've, I don't, I never made it past even the quarter mark on that series. So Okay. It's good. Well, speaking of great lead-ins, Shuri number one. If you just went to see Black Panther earlier this year and loved it as legions of people did mm-hmm. great movie and the, the standout the breakout star of course was the shuri character right black panther's little sister now in the co- now so i was excited about this because i love the characterization of her right in the movie but i was a, a little bit concerned because i tried to get into the more recent black panther run yeah. and there's a lot of baggage the, there's like a the, lot of the stuff. first one or the the latest space one well, both actually, okay. but, but the first more one. so the, the the first one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it was just like there, there's a lot of cool stuff here, but we have to deal with the fact that like Shuri was dead for a while. It was, it was impenetrable. Like, I I I made it think I think ten issues before I. I, I think it was like up. I think it was like a like a valiant effort at that, yeah. and I think it's and like I I've read some of the space stuff, and I think that's like you know finding its own footing but here great Afrofuturist and sci-fi novelist Nettie Okorafor writing this with. Some amazing art by Leonardo Romero mm-hmm. uh, and colors by Jordi, Lamer- Jordi Belair. Mm-hmm. This feels like a cool, lost Bronze Age book. Just like the storytelling is really fun. Even with all the stuff about like, yeah, I used to be the Black Panther and I used to be maybe dead for a little <laughs> bit. And I can turn into ravens, I guess. Like all that stuff's in there, but it's so – it's just so matter of fact. Mm-hmm. And it's so bright and fun i just i love the storytelling style again it's like a it's like a bronze age book it feels like a bit of a throwback it doesn't feel like an especially modern book right and that's fun and charming in a way the art was really exciting because i figured i don't know i figured it would look like more like a, if there is a marvel house style or at least like a, a modern marvel look i was expecting that and instead we get like this very thick line kind of Chris Somney. It's very Alex, much of the Chris Alex Somney school. school. Yeah, like, yeah. And like, I love that stuff. And so this feels like this, it just feels like this lost gem of a book. Yeah, I, I ended up reading this because I had a, I had a light week. And so I really liked it. I was worried because Shuri is so great in the films. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if it was going to be because Letitia Wright was so great. You know, I didn't right. know if it would translate. That's often a problem. But it was really fun. I only had, my only two criticisms... One is that right now she's sort of the perfect character. She doesn't do anything wrong. She's really great sure. at everything. So mm-hmm. there's not a lot of conflict because she's just this issue's all about how super great she is, which is fine as a setup because clearly at some point she's she's going to have to stop being super great. Yeah, well with the, with the cliffhanger of this issue there's like she's going to be going into a new role. The plot is Wakanda's kicking off their space program with their first ship launch into space. And for some reason, they decided to put the king on it, which I feel like is not a great strategy. Is is our first ever rocket launch? Even though we're because we're he's not are, just the king; he's also like the defender of sure. The but maybe and, put him on the second launch after you've proven you can do the first one. But sure. the, but Black Panther and the mutant manifold, who's also Shuri's boyfriend, go up on this rocket, but they never come back. Or at least they haven't come back. They go through a wormhole and they've been missing for two weeks. And and one of my favorite lines in this, and I think that really speaks to the charm of this issue and of Shuri as a character, Mm. is she's, well, she's testing out these wings that she has, even though she can turn into crows or whatever. But like she's testing out these wings that I guess are going to be for T'Challa when he gets back. Yeah. These like robotic wings. And she, and she mentions 
that lousy wormhole. <laughs> it's right. like that that pesky wormhole right. that they got caught in. Like that's sort of how. And I guess it, that kind of speaks to your concern that she's kind of like perfect and a bit above it all. Yeah. That she's so confident. Mm-hmm. But I think that's all. That's also kind of endearing to me that like you don't have to have this character that's so pushed down and. And, you know, in YA, and this is ostensibly YA, mm-hmm. like you have these characters that doubt themselves so much and right. are in these rough situations here. So the spoiler, she's going to be the new Black Panther because right. the matriarchs that are in that um, phantom zone, sort of the uh, the other world, yeah. basically task her. They're like, you know, the kings, the, the Black Panther is gone in outer space. You know, we don't who knows when he's going to come back. We need you to take up the mantle of Black Panther again. And I feel like that's where she's going to be less of an oh, expert. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I, 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 I have no doubt about it. Just in this issue, it's just kind of like yeah, she's like, a she lot comes of from a place of expertise about, here. Yeah. But I, so I think hopefully, and I, I think you know this author understands you know conflict and everything. I think in the coming issues, hopefully, it's like, well, I'm an expert at all this science stuff, but you know, I, you know, I still need help, or I, need, I've got a lot to learn when it comes to, you know being a vigilante hero, basically. Yeah, it was good. And you mentioned the Leonardo Romero art was terrific. Very, so Very good. Chris Somney. So I was very surprised about that. I I picked this up as a, on a lark, and I really enjoyed it. So I, I recommend anyone. Beautiful covers. The art is great. It looks like, you know, the Wakanda of the film, where it's like this great Afrofuturist collage of different African cultures coming together. And so it's colorful. and Much like Somney, he, Romero does a fully lived-in page like there's no skimping on backgrounds or oh yeah yeah details, like the, so. all the stuff like i love some of my favorite stuff was just like going through the marketplace and it's just yeah. it's gorgeous i want to mention very quickly black hammer age of Doom number six jeff lemire with art by rich tomaso guest art and yeah and i'm assuming rich tomaso also did the lettering on this he he did everything apparently because there, no, there was no other because there was no yeah so and i just wanted to mention that because that's a big part of it like if this just had modern lettering or like you know digital, no, yeah. like just basic lettering, it would wouldn't be half as crazy looking as it is. So this issue is a spotlight on Colonel Weird, the Adam Strange character who is the cause of all these all their troubles, and Randall Weird. It's a it's a very meta issue in that in which maybe it's hinted that these are characters who are fictional characters who who maybe will, will either know or will find out that they are fictional characters. I don't know exactly where Lemire's going. Well, so it's kind of like the Island of Misfit toys of characters, like just like weird ideas. Well, he ends up in this world out. where it's all these unfinished characters or characters that didn't, um, let's say, never characters from unrealized characters from never finished stories. So clearly there's a meta commentary on fiction. It's very, very Grant Morrison. Some great stuff. Inspector, Insector. Yeah. It's like a dude with a yellow jacket face. He deserves an Eisner just for character names. Yes. Uh, he really, Jeff Lemire is really, really good at it. Excalibur. <laughs> just a knight dude. He's a knight named Bert. Miss Moonbeam. Yeah. This series continues to be great, but this issue was very interesting and wacky. And Tommaso, who has done a lot of other uh, image work lately, uh, this is a great fit for this particular spotlight issue. So like the Black Hammer books, and, I, and actually the last time I guessed it on, yeah. uh, we talked about a Black Hammer book. Mm-hmm. And you got me caught up on those, like sort of homages to different superhero superheroes and, and superhero genres yeah. and styles throughout the years. And like this feels like a Fantagraphics book. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. like, like very Charles Burns kind of like even a little bit of like the Hernandez brothers. Yeah. 
there's a page of this that I want if it exists as a physical object. Elementals, run! <laughs> He's good at it. He needs a special, special category, Eisner. Really fun book. Life of Captain Marvel number four. I read the first issue, didn't do a ton for me, so I didn't continue on, but tell me about issue four. Yeah, so this I was just kind of interested because they've been talking about this book as a a retcon, basically, of Captain Marvel's origin story. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting because they, they list her existing origin story in the beginning. Like, she's in a, you know, a test jet thing, and she get there's an explosion, and right. she becomes, like, Kree-powered. And so, as it turns out, um, according to Margaret Stoll and artist Carlos Pacheco and Rafael Fonterres, Carol's kind of Superman? Like, her mom hmm. was a Cree. Okay. So, and her mom has been just keeping the secret all the time. And so, in, so it wasn't... So it wasn't the explosion. It wasn't the explosion. That, she is Cree. That, that triggered, that, like, awakened. And so, just like the, um, the not X-Men, the... Um, the Defenders? The no, Alpha, the, Alpha um, Flight. No, the... Um, Fantastic Four. Marvel wanted them to be a thing. The, the, the Cree the, thing. The, the, the Inhumans. The, the Inhumans. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. The Terrigen mists, you know, like what, like when the, the mist hits you, it awakens this latent right. sort of mutant ability almost. So that's the idea with this is that like when Carol was in that accident and there was that explosion just that her awakened her latent Cree powers. Mm-hmm. And then her mom, for some reason, was like, oh, you're, you know, a Cree now or whatever. And so like and then she also has like has uh, siblings. And I don't know if that's going to. See, I wonder how much this is tied into what they're doing with the film. That's part of the reason why right. I didn't read more, because I, f- I figured that we might get more of this in the movie. And it's, but I mean, like, I'm not, like, you know, uh, Sam Jackson hasn't turned up. Right. Colson hasn't turned up. Right, I don't mean exactly, but I wonder if they're I know, ret- like, retconning it because they're going to be changing her origin in the film. That's my only question. But we'll but see. I mean, like, but there's there's so many other differences, I think, between this and what the the trailer is presenting or that that idea that carol got sucked out of the 90s like that's not part of this right the one funny thing is like it's such <laughs> there are so many ties to the superman story and like krypton and stuff like i think her mother's name is like ma l jeez <laughs> oh, come on and her and her real name is carol what which i don't know if that's ever why been are they part doing of that the, but like yeah and this is also a very pretty book, I should say. So if you wanted to check it out, the conceit's a little weird. It's like, hey, we got to throw in this retcon here for yeah. whatever reason. But the art's pretty good. I like uh, the the, the uh, flashback stuff, which is Erica D'Urso. Erica yeah, Rafael Fontieras did the inks yeah. for Carlos Pacheco. And then yeah. Erica D'Urso did the flashback stuff. And... Yeah. It's a lot of Carol as, or no, I guess not. So it's Ma L. <laughs> Carol's mom as a young Cree, like in their sort of like fighting dome, and she's like fighting mechs and things, and like the costume for it. Like it, there are people who are bad at costuming little kid superheroes, and yeah. people are very good at it. This is an example so of wait, how to do it well. What is Carol's Carol's real name? Carol. I think it's like Car hyphen. E-L-L. So it's so Something so they, they humanize it by calling her Carol, right? Oh God, yeah. I I don't I'm not on board like, for any of this. And then like this is all also it's like they're trying to get up to date with like does her dad know and because he's like just a regular human guy and you know and and 
mom's whole thing was like to keep her safe on the on earth and she never went back because she didn't want them to take carol and make her part of this yeah. you know constantly at war culture she wanted her to live peacefully on earth and it turns out she becomes you know the most powerful superhero on earth right well i'm not into it but i'm glad no. you enjoyed it i just think that's over overdoing it I'm not saying I like this record. I just think it's interesting. Okay. I think it's fascinating where they're going with this. Is it a six-part story? Uh, there's one more issue, oh, I think. five, okay. All right, so those are the books we wanted to talk about. But if you're a patron, if you support the show at patreon.com slash ifanboy, you can vote to add a book to the rundown every week. Every patron can vote. This week, mirroring the weirdness of the week in general, it was a weird week of voting. Normally, there's <laughs> a couple of front runners. This was, this was a strange week. Not a lot of books got... More than a couple of votes. It was weird. So the winner was Lucifer number one from Vertigo, DC Comics, written by Dan Waters, with art by the Fumoras. Fumoras? Fumoras? Fumora. Max and Sebastian. Colors by Dave McCaig and letters by Steve Wands. It's unfortunate that Josh isn't here. I was going to say that. Not that I don't love you, Paul, but the original Lucifer book was one of Josh's all-time favorite series written by Mike Carey. Right. And I, I read a trade of it. It was fine. didn't really do much for me. I really like Mike Carey's writing. I, I actually really like his novels a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a TV show. Uh, was there? There was a Lucifer TV show. Oh yes, there is. There, there is Lucifer TV show. I think it's still on the air on Fox. So this is a reboot. I don't know. I don't know enough about the original series to know what this is exactly. I, yeah, I don't know if it's a well. As a number one, I don't know. It doesn't feel like a reboot. It feels sort of like here a continuation of. So Lucifer, I mean, I don't know that I can even properly tell you what exactly happened in this issue. I really didn't like. It. Yeah, I didn't like it either. It, so Lucifer kind of is there the crazy man in the village of the small village kind of. Sure. Meanwhile, there's a guy whose wife is dying of cancer, and he takes her on one last road trip, and she, they ended up in a car crash because she's she's showing his weird mystical powers, and she she dies in the crash, and now they think maybe she killed her on purpose, and then there's yeah, a, she did some kind of like sigil or something in the um the breathy thing on the window, the car window. Yeah, the thing where you draw a shape, like she did a some kind of shape, and that turned up later, and. And Lucifer gets stuffed in a bucket after he interrupts this town's performance by these weird shadow creatures. I'll be honest with you. This one, <laughs> I don't want to say it lost because it like it, it lost me before that, but like I, it it really took it to, the, a shovel has a word balloon. I just I there's a talking shovel at the yeah, end of this issue. I don't know, man. I I don't know. I would ju- I would I would just say this is like if you are into very '90s Vertigo. And but I I, I of I don't that even know that's accurate because I, I concept, really like I, I read a lot of that stuff and I liked it I just think this was not a very successful comic see that stuff just never like that stuff never did it sure you know, and that, it has so that feel I, so I would just, so I just but I but I also know that there are enough people that like are really into this and you know it's I, I don't want to say it's like you know this like emo thing or whatever it's but it's like it's uh, nothing grabbed me the, the the writing didn't really i'll tell you what i liked what is ostensibly the first real page where lucifer's ranting while not eating his oatmeal i actually really liked that page where his caregiver whoever she, she keeps trying to get him to eat it and he's ranting about his life and how he led the great war and all this. like I, I thought that was fun i was like oh this, that's that's funny and then it fell quickly off the rails. After that. I think I think there are like touches of that where yeah. it it can be a little tongue in cheek about the like you know the sacrilegious stuff or whatever. For me, it was just a little bit too self serious. 
Yeah, I, I like the idea that he... I mean, I don't know if this is actually accurate. I'm misreading it, but it's it's my reading of it as, as Lucifer as this kind of weirdo vagrant who lives in this t- small town and he's... You know, there's Lucifer again. And they call him Lucifer. And I don't know why this guy's driving like a rascal around wearing clothes from the 1700s, 1600s, but like... It was just a weird book, and I didn't really like it. You know, I thought for a little bit that maybe, okay, now maybe this, you know, present-day real-world story with the guy going to see his wife, like, there was something I could maybe, like, latch on to, like, mm-hmm. oh, he's dealing with this, and she's and she's dying, and, right. you know, what is quality of life, and all that kind of, that kind of thing, and then he gets in this... This accident, but the but even then the inner monologue of that character I felt was just a, a little too lofty and and um, the the poetry got away from me and I, I just I couldn't grasp onto anything. Let's let's rate it out of five ratings. I'm gonna give it a two. Two point five. I'm gonna, I don't want. I don't want to make the patrons angry. I don't want them to come and come after me. Come <laughs> after you guys, really, because like you you're out of here. Uh, I'm gonna give it a 1.75. Like I, I did not like it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now I'm just trying to figure out what if two was appropriate. But I think two is a little 1. too high. 1.666. Yeah, 1.66. There's there some craft there. The art. I mean, the art's yeah. you know interesting. Yeah. This is very just very much not for either of us. Yeah. I'd be interested in what Josh would think about it. I. I also don't know that I would I could see Josh liking it that much. Yeah, I don't know either. I'm very curious if he'll read it though. I want him to I wanted to find I want to find out. So those are Patreon pick. Go to patreon.com slash ifanboy. You can vote that a book to a show to the rundown. And if you give it the five dollar or higher level, you get thanked on the show with your very own superpower. Sometimes useful, sometimes not. Usually not very useful. So we're gonna thank our first patron, Micah Lambert. Micah has Flashlight fingers. That's that's weird. I just had flashlight in my head. The we had a that is weird. We had an ESPN moment there, Connor. So okay. the more fingers that he ignites, the brighter the light. Okay. So like one finger is kind of like maybe like a reading light. You know, you don't need a lot okay. of light. But then if he goes all five, he's got real strong. If he goes ten fingers, he's got one of those crazy like military grade flashlight things happening. So he can regulate. He's got basically ten settings for his flashlight fingers. Okay, that's useful. That that's very useful. As someone who is a day job, I work at a garage. We always need flashlights. Yeah, you could just get under the under the car there and just. My dad is always attaching the magnetic flashlight under the car as you're supposed to do, but then he forgets it's there. Right. And then the car drives off, and we never see the flashlight again. <laughs> and then I got to go on Amazon and buy him new ones. <laughs> and then I tie. It's like I, a fun bonus present for the car I tie owner. Fluorescent shoelaces to them so that they have a bright thing dangling that he will hopefully notice. And those still, still, it's a whole thing. I'm sorry. You should buy them in bulk. Chris, Chris is next. Chris is next. Chris, whenever he goes into here, I'm sorry, he or she, Chris goes into a bookstore. Mm -hmm. No matter the time of year, you'll always be able to find a calendar that you'd find suitable to bring home. He always finds a suitable calendar. Or even in like late in the, like it's weird, like August. Uh-huh. Like in maybe the year got away from him and didn't pick out a good calendar. There's still going to be good ones. It's not just going to be Clydesdales and Monet. Would it be like a September to September calendar? 
It would Strangely. be for whenever Chris needs that calendar. Interesting. It might actually like start in like September. Right. Like if it might actually start just then. So then he doesn't have a bunch of wasted pages. Or it might be an older one that already started in earlier in the year. Uh-huh. But it's at such a discount that it's worth it. Trevor McDonough, McDonough he has complete control of the color of his all all of the hair on his body. So if he decides he's feeling blonde today, he wants to have a little fun, he can go blonde. If he decides he maybe his body hair should be red and hair in his head should be green because it's Christmas, okay. mm-hmm. he can do that as well. If he if he wants to tr- see how the Reed Richards gray sideburns will look on him, he can also do that. He he can control the color, the individual color. If he's really bored, he can he can go strand by strand and really really mess with that with everything. But he's got go really granular. Complete yeah. granular color control of his hair, body hair, and head hair, and face hair, all of it. Michael Mattinson, when going to the cool new rave club, uh, when he gets stamped, uh-huh. he'll be able to keep that stamp longer. But like, if he like needs to get you know a shower, right. don't worry about putting like plastic or like holding your hand outside the shower. Like, if you want so to, he go can back return to the. To the, like, the, the dance be more club. likely. This is now. This is dangerous. If you go to one of those places to get a temporary tattoo out mm-hmm. of the, 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 you know, the machine, the bubblegum thing, mm-hmm. that could become a permanent tattoo. So don't get you know as a goof like you know, don't do that because so if it he could gets temporarily, longer. if he gets temporarily uh, marked, he can keep it longer. That's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I can't. I can't bestow upon him the ability to say like this is going to last two weeks. It could be like six months. So that's why I, you know, the word of caution with the temporary tattoo thing. Oh, I see. So he it could last a year, but you can't get rid of it. Yeah. So if you get you know SpongeBob, you know, on your forearm or whatever, or like you decide to, you know, get the hamburger helper right on your on your face or on your neck, like that's going to be that goof is going to be like it, that. That's going to be commitment. That's going to be a six-month goof. Right. That's not going to scrub as much as you want. It's not going to. It's not happening. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go. Help support the show. Get your name and superpower. If you give it the $5 or higher level, vote for any comic to add to the rundown at any level. And we thank everyone who does that. We also want to thank the Pub Crawl Anthology. The Pub Crawl Anthology is a graphic novel collection of stories that all take place in bars. It's being published by Jameson Alcorn. There's 12 brand new original eight-page stories. Genres span from horror to history, slice of life to science fiction, and more. And there's a diverse team of nearly 30 creators from around the world working on the Pub Crawl Anthology. This project just went live on Kickstarter on October 15th, so just this week. It's going to run for 30 days, ending on November 13th. And if you want to help them out, you can check it out at Kickstarter. Just search the Pub Crawl Anthology. And for updates and previews, you can follow them at Pub Crawl Comic on Twitter and Instagram. And at the time of recording, they're actually doing very, very well on Kickstarter their goal is 6,500, and they're at 6,100 and change. So really, if if you guys out there and girls want to help put them over to the top, it doesn't require all that much. They need, they need about $400. So You can be the hero on this one. You, you can, can be the hero. And I've talked top. to a lot of people who've done comic book Kickstarters, and the feeling they get when they hit that mark, the pledge mark, is uh, second to none. So check it out on Kickstarter, the Pub Crawl Anthology. They only need a little bit of help, but they could use yours 
to get their book made. And we do appreciate that and appreciate them. And you should go check it out. It, they've got some really interesting previews on there. A nice variety of comic book styles in these, in these books. Check it out on Kickstarter. Thank you. We're skipping the voicemails this week and the emails. But you can, oh. you can uh, email us at contact.ifanboy.com regularly to get on the show or send us in voice clips, which we, we did last week. We're skipping that this week because Paul and I have something to talk about. We made a comic. We did. We made a book. We made a comic book. We mentioned it last week on the show very briefly. And if you follow any of iFanboy's social media, you've probably heard about it this week. In the course of my day job at an entertainment company with many different units, I work in the publishing unit. We were tasked with doing a comic that tied into our gaming unit's video game that just came to Steam last week. And so I recruited... Paul and our buddy David Acampo. Paul and David worked together, and we'll get to that in a second, mm-hmm. to write the story. They came up with the story with, along with my, my boss, the publisher of, of the division. They came up with the, the story. Paul and Dave wrote the script. We got great art from Priscilla Petrates. Is it Petrates? Petrates. Petrates. I've never said her name out loud to her, so I don't know. Neither have I. So. Priscilla, Priscilla Petrates. She's awesome. And colors by Marco Lesco. He's all, they're both Brazilian. They're terrific art and colors. So good. And then we got a cover by Bill Sienkiewicz, which was nuts. That was a weird text to get. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about this all in a second. But just the highlights are it came out this past week on Steam along with the game. So if you are a gamer and you've got a PC, a high-level gaming PC, you want to check out Dreadnought. It's a super fun 8v8 capital ship battle game. It's available on Steam. The game is free to play, but there's a bunch of bundles where you can get ships and you can get skins and things like that. And the comic is available in those bundles. There's also a bundle with just the comic, which you can get. And okay. also, this past week, Dreadnought Legends number 1, the name of the book, that came out in Comixology. So if you're a comics fan and not a gamer, you want to check it out, it's only $1.99. It's basically almost half off your normal comic purchase. So that you really can't help but check it out. It's on Comixology. It's on Steam. If you've never used Comixology, you're not a digital comics person. It's actually really simple because Amazon bought Comixology. You can log into Comixology with your Amazon account. You will pay with your normal Amazon credit card. It's all already already on mm-hmm. there. It's all linked. So you can just go to Comixology right now, log in with your Amazon account. Check it out for $1.99. We, we would appreciate it. But let's talk, Paul, about the experience, experience of making the book. So, so this was back in uh, like May or June. We started mm-hmm. talking about doing something based on Dreadnought. Right. And it really helped that that your boss, Court, already had this shell of an idea of let's learn about the world of Dreadnought and all these different ships because there's these giant Dreadnought ships, really big. You think of like aircraft carrier kind of ships, right? They're Dreadnoughts. They're Battlestar Galactica-sized ships. Yeah. There's not a lot of characters in the game itself. You basically you warp into battle with your ship and you, you play for 10 minutes and you're done. It's, it's a fun game. You can If you've got 10 minutes to spare, I, I often play a match or two in between meetings during the day at work and you can just hop on and play for 10 minutes and hop out but there's not a lot of character work so they really wanted us to help flesh out the world of dreadnought help figure out who are these people on the ships why are they doing this who what do they do when they're on the ground and not fighting so that was really the the direction we got and that's sort of it was right i immediately thought of you and dave that's right in your wheelhouse you guys have worked together on a book called the margins which came out earlier this year yep fan base press yep so that was an easy call to call you guys up. Well, thank you. And I, I really appreciate the the confidence in it. And we had a whole lot of fun working on it. And, y- you know, you, you hear like, you know, licensed comic and whatever. And you hear like you think, oh, is this going to be tough to like come up with, you know, story in there that everybody's going to agree with? And it was actually really smooth sailing on this one. Mm-hmm. It was really fun to write it. And it all came together really, really quickly. It did. So you mentioned the margins. That was four years in the making. The production of this book was really like like four months. Yeah. 
And so we wrote it in, you know, in about a month and had fun going back and forth on, okay, you've got a really strong idea about this character and, and a way to introduce these kind of pilots because we want to do some world building in here and give some color to what this, this universe is like. And basically it's our solar system in the far flung future. And there are different groups like mega corporations or nations that have these dreadnought fleets and smaller ships. And just in any kind of like squad based shooter, you have different roles if you're playing as a team. So you have the big dreadnoughts, that's the big heavy firepower, but they're not so maneuverable. They're slow. And it takes a really long time to blow them up. But then you've also, then you go all the way down to you've got the Corvette style ships. And even those are like, I think it's like they told us it's like 60 people can be on one of those. So it's not necessarily like a, like a fighter pilot. No, but it, but in that world it is. It's the fast, super vulnerable, highly maneuverable ship. I think the, the brilliance of what you guys came up with was that let's take a look at who would be the kind of person that would that was captain that ship. Who would be the yeah. guy that would be in charge of the ship that's the most vulnerable in these giant battles? What kind of personality would that be? You know, So that was the real sort of focus Beyond the main character, who was your sort of traditional intro character, which just shows up in this world and has to learn everything about this yeah. world. So obviously, like she has, uh, Mac has lived in this world all her life, but this particular setting of Sinley Bay is sort of like this hub for pirates. It's where the space pirates kind of hide out and they meet up, they squad up for their different uh, mercenary runs, you know, to smuggle together or whatever. And so they, they have bars. They, this is where they live. This is yeah. a big space station. And it's like, and you think of it as like a city hidden in this like asteroid belt. It's actually a really cool design. And that's right from the game. That's, the, that's where you start. Sort of like Dan, not Dan Lax, takes place over more than one day, but it's sort of like, a Moss Eisley situation without aliens. It's just a bunch of grizzled ship captains and their Very crew much, yeah. It's all, it's all humans, yeah. Winding down in between battles, and we get to sort of hang out with them in between and learn about them, their personalities. It was a lot of fun. It was a hard challenge. First of all, we were two guys who have been reviewing comics for mm-hmm. a decade or more. In Paul's case, t- almost two decades in my case. Yeah. So you, you already had made the margins, but being in, on the other side of this was very eye-opening and interesting, having to actually make the book and figure out the challenges of it and and all the problems that can pop up. Yeah, I should say any of the smooth sailing that, that me and Dave experienced, or more me, because Dave had to do a lot of lettering. <laughs> yes. So he was working on it a lot lo- after I had ended my participation of it. Like he was still working, you know, on, you know, getting it into Russian and doing all the lettering. Seven international versions of it, yeah. Seven international versions, yeah. And that's really cool to see, to see your words in different languages and, and to see even like the sound effects and yeah. uh, and stuff. So that was really cool. But any of the smooth sailing that I experienced was because, you know, you made it a really good experience well, and did all the, the tough work of coordinating everything. But it was a challenge because you had, to, you had a lot of information to get across in a single issue. And we norm, at the beginning, right. we did it at the current 20-page size that comics are now. But we ended up having to add a couple of pages because there was another scene we really needed to add. And we, so we, we decided, well, why are we artificially limiting ourselves to 20 pages? Let's just do 22 pages. And that went towards the central question of what kind of crazy person takes on this assignment. And yeah. that was basically, that's where we added the pages is to add to the bargaining between our central characters of Mac and Mad Adi Khatri, who is this space pirate captain. It was a fun project. I was really happy and proud of the work we got out of it. Priscilla Petratus and Marco Lesko 
are really talented up-and-comers. Priscilla came through the DC New Talent program like Dave did. Yeah, yeah, Dave met her through that. Really emotional, moody character work. Like that, I think one of the strongest things about her is how great her character work is. Mm-hmm. Especially a book like this, it's not about the ship battles because that's happens in the game. This is about what happens between the ship battles. So it's all about the character work. I really loved her take on Mac. Just a really fun project. One of the questions I've gotten so far, because basically the story ends without spoiling it, it ends with the call to action, as as many right. of these first issues do. And the, the question is, are we going to get more more of the story, more of Mac and Katri? And really, it's up to everyone listening now. If we can sell enough, I think we'll get more. As I said, only two bucks on Comixology or on Steam if you're a gamer. If we, I'm not even talking about blockbuster sales. I'm just talking about enough sales to justify an audience for the book. Yeah, and it's... And- Obviously, we're a bit biased because of the editor and, and the writer, respectively, but I'm really proud of what we accomplished the first time out doing this. This is my first single issue. Dave really helped me along the way in terms of structure and everything. Mm-hmm. We really went over this and wanted to make it feel like a substantial first issue. It, it feels meaty, but not overly so. It's, I think it's, you guys really walked the line really well where you feel like you're getting a lot out of 22 pages. Plus, there's a little bit of back matter, too. So it does feel like a full experience. And with Priscilla and Marco, like, I think the art is gorgeous. I think it stands up next to, you know, any, any of the stuff we looked at this week. I think it's a really polished book. Dave did an awesome job on the design overall and, and all the lettering and everything. So, the, you know, just because it doesn't have like one of the big two publisher names on it on the front, this is a, a substantial book that we put everything into. And uh, I w- I'd love to do more with these characters. I think they're, they're I really think fun. We all would. And if everyone within the sound of our voices bought one copy, we would definitely, <laughs> I, think get, I think we'd get a green light for sure. So if you're interested at all, checking out Dreadnought Legends, number one, it is a tie into the game, but very important to note if you've never played the game, have no intention of ever playing the game, if you've never seen a video game, it's still a story that stands on its own, tells a story. If you play the game, it makes your game experience better. If you haven't played the game, you can totally enjoy it. Just this sci-fi character piece set in a dingy space bar. Space pirates, man. Come on. It's like, it was so fun. That That's that's a fun gig. So if you are a gamer and you want to check it out in Steam, check out Dreadnought. It's there. There's a bunch of bundles. It's on there. I bought it myself just to make sure it worked, and it's all on there. Go to Comixology. It came out this past week, but it'll still be there in the coming weeks. Just search Dreadnought, D-R-E-A-D-N-O-U-G-H-T, and you'll get Dreadnought Legends number one. Check it out. Only two bucks. We appreciate anyone who buys it checks it out. We do appreciate that. While you're there, The Margins also available on Comixology and print version of uh, The Margins, which is uh, co-written by me and David Acampo with art by the amazing Amanda Donahue. That's out from Fanbase Press. That's on Amazon is what you can go to uh, the website, themarginscomic.com or to fanbasepress.com. Get physical copies there, or we also sell through Amazon.com. Did you have an editor on The Margins? Uh, It's mostly our, our publishers, the Dillons, Barbara and Bryant. Uh, so they, they're they're a, a, a married couple publishing team, and they really helped us with the editing and like a lot of story stuff. Like, hey, could this character, you know, be instead of being a dude, could it be a woman? And we're like, yeah, that actually makes it so much better. So Barbara was actually kind of our editor on that. Check it out. We are very proud of it. Dreadnought Legends number one. If you feel so inclined, check it out. Two bucks. If not, that's totally fine too. But we appreciate anyone who who gives it a look, and we are very proud of it. We would love to do more. Mm-hmm. Thank you, everyone who has checked it out in the last week or so since it's been out. Thank you, fan base, for all the kind words so far. Yeah. Can I put a seal of approval on my own book? Sure. Yeah, I just like, I buy with confidence. It's a fun book, and I think really substantial, and uh, 
as you said, meaty. All right. So also real quick, we did last month's Booksplode show was Booksplode Superman Blue Volume 1, which was our podcast that we review of collected edition unlocked by the patrons. We have an idea about our next one, but I'm not sure. We don't have it locked in. That'll come out in uh, November. But this month, Josh is doing a Talksplode, which is also a show unlocked by the patrons. And I know who the guest he has lined up is, but he since he hasn't recorded it yet, I will not reveal it. But I am very interested to hear that one. It's someone we okay. haven't had on the show before. So hopefully that ends up happening, and he'll have it for you soon. Also, if you're a patron... In addition to the patron pick and the patron powers and all this fun stuff, there's the monthly patron hangout, which me and Josh and sometimes Ron get together for an hour and babble about nonsense with the patrons live on the internet. Uh, the next hangout for October is October 22nd. So if you are listening to this show in the first 48 hours, as about 60% of you do, it's, it's tomorrow night or tonight. It's October 22nd, which is Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. That's the next Hangout, and uh, we hope to see you there. Also, head over to iFanboy.com. You can find all of our podcasts, the Booksplodes, the Talksplodes, the Special Editions, everything we've done podcast-wise is there. Also, all the old articles are still there. Paul did a lot of those articles. Oh, oh goodness. They're all still there, Paul. You can check them out there. Find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking iFanboy on Facebook at facebook.com slash iFanboy and following it on Twitter at iFanboy. And you can follow us individually at Jay Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram for Josh, at CS Kilpatrick on Instagram for me, and at Fuzzy Typewriter on Twitter and Instagram for Paul. That's right. And if you dig the show, write a review or leave a star rating on iTunes. Better yet, tell your friends about it. Help spread that iFanboy love all around. That's right. And if you check out Dreadnought Legends on Comicsology, you can also leave us a star rating. Right now, we're averaging five stars, Paul. Yes, we are. I saw. I'm not going to say I, I check maybe once an hour. <laughs> I'm just saying. Thank you for coming back to do the show, Paul. I do appreciate it. This is great. This is fun. I've been looking forward to maybe this. Maybe next and... time, Josh will give you more warning. Yeah, if, if Josh would give me more than like 18 hours <laughs> warning, like that would be helpful. And then I can make sure to take the time off of work. Well, I'll give him that note. And until next time. I'm Connor. I'm Paul. See you next week. Oh, Jeff.